Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. So today we're going to... First thing, I have to give some disclaimers. We are not experts. We are not absolutely by long shot. no ma'am. We are not experts by any anything. So everything we say today is what we've done to have a successful marriage for almost ten years now. Yep, September twenty seventh. September. Yep. Mm-hmm. But we dated before that, and it, that was pretty successful, right? Okay. I mean, we got <laughs> married, so I guess it worked out. <laughs> Too sick. So what we're going to do is is share some principles that we use in our everyday lives as married couple, just to keep peace, keep some sanity, remain in love, and uh, just really set an example or a model for our children to follow. Because one day, they'll be husbands and wives, and so we just hope that we can set an example. One of the things we did early on is we both agreed that we would not, um, although my wife's parents have been married 40 years, all right? We, we certainly shoot to be married for 40 years, but we both said we would create our own uh, view of marriage because mm-hmm. on my side of the family it's totally opposite. My parents were never married. My father is married now, and it's been you know uh, for a long time. But I I didn't grow up seeing what healthy marriage looked like because it was just so scattered. So we decided early on at pre- during premarital counseling that we would create our own model of what marriage should look like for us, custom, mm-hmm. right? So here are some five principles. Uh, that you all can use if you want, throw them away, burn them, use it as fire, kindle, whatever you want to do. Uh, but they work for us, so hopefully they work for you. Um, I hope that everybody has some notes, and if you don't have a pen, we actually have extra pens, so if you don't have a pen or, or notes, just raise your hand, we'll get that to you. The first principle I would love to share with you all, there are five principles we're going to share. The first one that Erica and I thought would be really good to share with you is you must seek God first. Mm -hmm. Seek God. Um, Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39 says this, and this is Jesus speaking. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The focus here, though, is how we open this up. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart. Erica and I, even through dating, I prayed. I'll, I'll tell you, I prayed for Erica. It wasn't specifically Erica I was praying for. I, I prayed for her, my wife, and God presented her to me. So crazy is that even during, while we were dating, we sought God first, right? We went to ITC together uh, for a certificate class in theology. That's how crazy in love we were for God, but because we, we sought him first. We were the youngest first, people there. <laughs> we were. We were. And, and some of the more articulate ones, right? Well, articulate you know ones. No, yeah. Be nice. Okay, I'm sorry. You're right. So the first note is, God should be my number one and my spouse is my number two. God is my number one. My spouse is my number two. Without God as your head, it's, it's really hard to have a healthy marriage. Uh, you're not going to always agree. You're not going to always get along. You're not going to always like each other, but the goal is to always certainly love each other. But keeping God at the head all the time, seeking him intentionally, uh, is the very first thing I recommend. Anything you want to add to that? Well, praying together is important. Um, and you guys, last uh, I missed last Sunday because I was in kids' ministry, and he talked about uh, singles. And uh, one of the stories he talked to you guys about was how when he was when we were dating, he was part of the Kingsman ministry, and they would go on these all day, all night prayer prayer meetings, I guess, together. 
And uh, so when we first got married, we would try to do what we had learned in premarital counseling, which was, you know, we're supposed to pray together, which is very important. Uh, I'd fall asleep, though, because he'd pray for, like, ever, <laughs> ever. I'm like, really, it's, not, it's time to go to bed. And he's just going, I, I, I'd fall out. I'm sorry. So, so I guess the first thing would be in, in order to seek God, I guess a good way to seek God, the first thing you should do is, if you're taking notes, pray together every day or as often as possible. Pray together every day or as often as possible. I will be the first to admit Erica and I are not consistent with this. Nope. Like she said, early in our marriage, we used to pray together um, our, at, at the direction of our pastor at the mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. and we would pray together. She never led. And, you know, I, I like to pray. I mean, I can pray for hours. That's just how I go. And I, I thought she was awake until one time I heard, <laughs> I said, oh, she must have caught the spirit. I'm, I'm going in. So I went deeper. I kept on going till finally she went limp. And I was like, oh, she's asleep. She's asleep. So I do like to pray, but pray together. If not every day, make every day your goal pray together, which we do. We make every day our goal. We, we don't always reach that goal, but we, we are intentional about trying to pray together, at least as a family, mm-hmm. as often as we can. It's important to pray for, for each other. Even if we don't pray together, we pray for each other. And praying for each other, we can do separately, certainly. And uh, that definitely makes a difference. Like he went camping this weekend with the guys. And so I was praying that everybody came back in one place, that they didn't set the forest on fire. <laughs> or my oldest son. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. And I often, I pray for my wife all the time. Like when I wake up, you know, one of my greatest things, and you don't know this. I think you may have caught me once or twice. You like peeked up. But one of my greatest things to do is when I wake up, I just look at her. I just look at her. I mean, you're so beautiful when you sleep. You know that? Maybe it's because you're quiet. I don't know. But you're just so, so beautiful when you sleep. And so I just look at her, and then I just begin to pray, like, God, you know, let her day start off wonderful. Let her day start off as beautiful as she is right now, laying here asleep. You know, and I begin to pray for her. And then I go through the house and pray and then do, do my thing. But I pray for her all the time. Um, my wife, for some of you who don't know it, she homeschools. And so she's home with the girl, the girls. Yeah. Just the girls this year. But I did now, everybody last year. Yeah. Yeah. Last year <laughs> I had to pray for your sanity and mine because <laughs> I would come home and you would just like, before I get in the door, like it's a great thing for, for fathers. Like when you're out working, you know, you, you're, you're proud to be working. And when you get home, when your wife and your kids run up to you, Hey honey, we missed you. Well, when she was homeschooling everybody last year, it was different. It was like, as soon as I get to the door, they were like at the garage door, kids and wife. Wife pushing the kids out the way. I want to tell them first. Do you know what these kids did? (laughs) And then he'd immediately say, you know what? Um, Is dinner ready? Uh, And uh, you you go, here's some, go to Starbucks. Go sit at Starbucks for a little while. Yeah, I would put her out. I'd be like, you know what? Literally, we'd kick me out the house. Get out the house. It's dinner ready. I'll feed the kids. Just leave. Go to the room and just relax. You know, I'll take this because it was like on not 10, but like 10 times 10 when I would get home. But now she's home with the kid with just two of them. Just the girls. And but now it's summertime. So you got Junior. And why y'all laughing? Y'all know Junior's special. That's my baby boy. But he's the most like me out of all kids. So if y'all want to know how I was as a kid. Yeah. Junior earned his name. I was just Mm -hmm. like that. So she's got Junior who's very inquisitive, extremely intelligent, smart Alec. Very uh, structured. He likes things just the way he wants Yeah, he them. suffers from a little bit of that from me. But we can talk about that one. We can. So the two notes there is, God, the three notes is, God is your number one. My spouse is my number two. Pray together every day or as often as possible. Uh, the second thing is pray for each other every day, no matter what, often, several times a day. You got to do that. Pray for your spouse. It's amazing the number of people that don't do that. You don't believe that. We just go about our day to day and we haven't said a simple prayer or even a praise. <laughs> Can I say that? Mm-hmm. A praise for our spouse. We need to praise them and honor them. We'll talk more about honor later. Uh, Matthew six thirty three says this, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need everything 
a lot of people, when we look at that, we think of material stuff or, or, or our bills or, or stuff we need to survive. No, he will give you everything you need. I need joy in my marriage. He'll give it to you. I, 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 need, I, need my, I wish my spouse would, 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 would participate in prayer with me. Whatever it is, he will give you. So, you know, seek him first. Um, the second thing, principle we want to share with you all, and this is very important, fight fair. Fight fair. That's the second principle. So the first principle is seek God. The second principle is fight fair. Some of y'all had this look in your face like, what? Fight. Just want to let you know, in case you didn't know, every couple fights. You're going to have disagreements. You're going yes. to have times where you have different perspectives. Broderick and I were raised very differently. And so our uh, ideas about how we should run the household, how we should parent, I mean, little things like alphabetizing the cans in the pantry. Uh, I like order. Okay. I just, you know, I let the kids unpack the grocery bags. <laughs> I want to, like, pull my hair out, pull her hair out, everybody's hair out. It's just so Did you buy peanut butter? It's in there. Trust me. But, but the thing is, here's the thing. You know what's funny about that? Sorry for interrupting you. The funny thing about it is, now that that's order, I, like, I've organized the pantry again, mm-hmm. and it's nice and neat. Everything is facing forward so you know what it is in the can or in the jar. Thank you. Look at, look at my brother right here. He understands. Look at my brother. Oh, 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 look at all the brothers. Organized. But you know what? The kids are lost in there. Like, Daddy, where's the peanut butter? I'm like, it's there. Read. They're used to chaos. See what we're training our kids? Okay, we're going to talk about anyway, that in the parenting but, section. So you have disagreements about all sorts of things. You have disagreements about uh, finances or communication styles. Um, healthy couples, though, fight clean. Unhealthy couples fight dirty. And so by that, uh, Broderick, do you want to kind of Talk about what a healthy couple does. Right. So what I mean by what we mean by that, about healthy couples fighting clean and unhealthy couples fighting dirty, um, a healthy couple pushes for resolution. This is a note you might want to take here. As a matter of fact, that's the next note if you're taking notes. A healthy couple pushes for resolution, whereas unhealthy couples press for victory. In other words, an unhealthy couple is like, I want to prove my point. I'm right. If you wouldn't have done this, that wouldn't have happened. If, if you would have just listened to what I said, that would not have happened. Whereas a healthy couple will say, okay, 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 this is all a mess. Let's woosah, let's time out, let's figure this thing out together. Because at the end of the day, pers- uh, your, perspe- your perception is the reality. And in other words, if, you've been, if you feel that you were offended or dishonored, truth is you were. So let's find out how I dishonored you or offended you, spouse, Let's fix the problem together because at the end of the day, we both were wrong somewhere in there. Either my tone, your tone, your action, my action, somewhere in there, we both were wrong. Let's figure out where we were wrong and let's resolve it together. Right. And it creates so much more harmony. Um, James 1, 19 through 20 says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, not speak, but quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So here's, I want to help y'all. I'm going to teach y'all how to fight fair, okay? I'm going to teach y'all how to fight fair, married folk, and single folk getting married. This is how you fight fair. First thing you must do, we're going to take this right from James 1, 19 through 20. You must, number one, guard your words faithfully. Guard your words faithfully. That what you know that saying the uh, words are like a sword or what is that? I don't know. Um, words can cut you. Or, you know what I'm saying. You're smarter than me. Okay. Anyway, I can't think now. But it, you know, basically, don't call anybody names. Don't call each other names. Don't raise your voice uh, or get hysterical or historical. historical yeah. Sorry, historical. Um, never say never or always because never and always are so definitive they're so finite they're so that's the way you always do it which means they can't recover from that and they can't change you're saying you're, you're not able to change when you say that um never threaten divorce and uh and this is the number one number one never quote your pastor in an argument with your spouse for the record i've done all of and those. he has done that I mean, even when we, well, you have too. I have too, but when we've attended other churches, but he'll even quote himself. Yeah. He'll say, you should have been in church. You, if you had been in, did you listen to the podcast? If you had been, 
I'm a work in progress. I never said I was perfect. You should, woman, if you heard that scripture I said. God was using me. And you, man, you should have been in there. That was for you. And, but, you know, it's all, it, but what's interesting is also um, when we were talking about this this week, this week's lesson with the children, for those of you who have kids in the kids' ministry, they're also learning about being slow to anger and a little bit about anger management and self-control because, really, it starts young. How we react to situations starts when we're little. And uh, so we're hoping that the kids get it this time and they won't have to have this conversation 20 years from now. But... Uh, what was, uh, oh, slow to, uh, slowing to speak, taking your time to think about what you're going to say before you say it. Um, and that may mean you have to retreat to your separate corners for a little while before you come back and have a discussion where you can find that resolution as opposed to trying to figure out how you're going to win the argument. What did one of the, one of the things we do is we send each other emails. Yes. We found email to be very, very useful. Um, because by the time you compose the email and I type fast, <laughs> I'm, I'm slow at it. I, I still two fingers. You know. So by the time you compose the email, you've generally worked out whatever your issue might be, and you realize, you know what, I'm going to delete paragraph two because that's not going to help the situation. That's just going to make things uh, worse. I have a tendency to go the historical route uh, to say, well, back in 2007, <laughs> you know, and that's not helpful. That's never helpful. And so I'll type it up just for the cathartic moment for myself, but then I delete that and that's not what I send to him. Yeah. And that's important too. Sometimes you have to just type an email to your spouse and while you're typing, you realize it's not that serious and just delete it. How many of you have like done that? Like to your boss, your spouse, your coworker, you, yeah. See, you've typed some really nasty emails and just delete it. Sometimes you just need to release. You just, Mm -hmm. oh, you didn't delete it. (laughs) <laughs> you still got a job <laughs> but sometimes you have to just release and sometimes you know that's a good way just make sure if you're not going to send it delete it right away or uh, you know it could be ugly so guard your words um something else you just said too was the tone of your words you know broderick's got this deep very white like voice and that was one of the things that when we when i first met him that i really liked that i was attracted to i was like wow he's got a really nice voice but it sometimes can work against him because if he says something and he's just ever so slightly, he, he doesn't even have to raise his voice, but I can tell that he's upset or by the rest of his body language that he's upset, he may as well be standing on top of the table yelling at me and I'll take it that way. And so I've had to, you know, in calmer moments, have a conversation with him and say, you know what, your voice, your tone, you have to watch it because you've got that deep voice. Um, because that'll really help me. That, yeah. Yeah helps me. And then uh, the second note here under Fight Fair is handle your anger righteously. Handle your anger righteously. Um, It's so easy to just, you know, we're emotional creatures. Humans, we're just emotional naturally. We can't help it sometimes when, when, when when we feel dishonored, when we feel like, you know, we're not getting our way, when we feel like our point is not getting across. It's natural for us to be emotional, and that's where the anger comes from, that emotion. But literally, you gotta, like, count. My wife will tell you, uh, I, I mean, in our old house, it had nothing to do with her. It had everything to do with Verizon, I believe. They did something wrong with our bill. And remember, I got so mad, they, like, they triple charged us. And, oh, yeah. And I punched the door. Yeah, right? the door. I, I've come away since, a long way since 2003, right? Uh-huh. But, I mean, I had a real bad anger problem. But I've learned to just kind of, you know what, five, four, three, two, one. All is good in the world of Broderick. Just count. Literally, it sounds corny, but I promise you, it keeps peace in your house. It keeps peace amongst your friends to just take. I mean, literally, start counting. People are going to look at you weird. Like, you mad? The boss, you, your boss just told you something and, you know, said, you, you know, we're not getting a raise. You're not going to get your Christmas cookies this year. And you mad. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, it's okay. Maybe next year. Just take that second to do that. It's so important. Ephesians 4, uh, 26 through 27. You want to read the scripture? You should read some scripture. You got Baptist background. Go ahead. Give it to them the way you do it in the Baptist church. (laughs) Um, She's a PK if y'all didn't know that. So she knows this stuff really good. Yeah, but I only have King James memorized, um, which does me no good now. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Um, Can I unpack that real quick? Go right ahead. I love this scripture. You know why we included this scripture? I'm just going to tell you because it's wrong. We take that so literal. 
I'm being honest. We take that so literal. We just have, if we just, if you and your spouse just had a disagreement and it's like, we're going to stay up all night and you, and you know, you guys are, are, are like, you know, we, we, we totally disagree. Why stay up all night trying to figure it out? All you do is get more frustrated and, and nothing is resolved. You're still battling, trying to prove each other's point. So this scripture is, it's, it's, it's not as literal as you think it. In other words, it's saying, don't let days go by without resolving and having real conversation about the issue. Practically speaking, I say, try to like, you know, we, 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 we tried that before. Remember, we used to try that early in our marriage. Like the Bible says, don't go to sleep without being, you know, angry. Yeah, we tried that. <laughs> and it's like, we I mean, will be up to sleep. like four o'clock in the morning. You're going to speak first? I mean, <laughs> and then we finally speak and it's like, no, but what had happened, then we're up disagreeing until six o'clock. We didn't go to sleep because the Bible said literally don't. And that's wrong. Let's be practical here. In other words, that issue, let's not let that die without us having a discussion about it. This hour, this moment right now may not be the best time. So I tell you what. Let's just, you know, I'm going to go downstairs and watch Game of Thrones and you watch your thing. And after a while, I'll come up. You know, I need something to calm me. You need something to calm you. And then let's kick it. I think the key word there is control. And like I mentioned, the kids are learning about self-control this month. And so this week is anger. It's, it's about not letting that completely ruin your day. You have a disagreement, but it shouldn't ruin your whole day. It shouldn't take your joy from you. Joy is not something that uh, changes from day to day. It's something that uh, Jesus provides for you, the Holy Spirit provides for you in your heart. And so it means that it's, it, you're not letting that take control. Um, and then the next verse he has uh, in our notes is James uh, 1 and 20 Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. It's not what God wants. God doesn't want us to walk around angry uh, because then we're not living our lives fully. We're not doing what it is that uh, he has uh, purposed us to do. Especially with our spouse. Yes. Because he lo- I mean, they use the, 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 the marriage. They use the model of marriage to, 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 to describe Jesus' relationship to the church. I mean, he loves marriages. He, I mean, he digs it. So he don't want you walking around ticked off at, with your spouse over something that's easily, you know, that could be resolved. So anyway, the third principle we want to share with you all. This Have is really fun. good. Yeah, this is the part where I get to embarrass my wife a little bit. So Thank you. the five principles. So the, here's the first one. Seek God. Second one, fight fair. The third one is have fun. Have fun. Ecclesiastes 9 and nine says this, live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward. Wow. Your reward for all your earthly toil, your reward for all the stuff you go through here on earth. Your wife is your reward. So enjoy her. I want to share this. I'm going to skip that one little part there. Ecclesiastes. Let's go. There are three kinds of fun. And I put all caps on the fun in, in the notes, in my notes at least. There are three kinds of fun every married couple should enjoy. Three kinds. The first one is uh, face-to-face. You should enjoy face-to-face fun. And that includes dating, uh, quality time, real conversation. Um, the neat thing about being married is that you have that freedom to date. Um, it's dating without pressure. You're hanging out with this person that you enjoyed hanging out with before you got married. So ideally, should it still enjoy hanging out, spending time with this person? Um, my wife. The... Yeah, we'll go to the next one. Okay. Uh, my wife. We, you know, I, I'm, I love movies and TV. I'm an inter- I like that type of stuff. My wife is not big on that. And oftentimes, I, early in our marriage, I used to, you know, we used to go to uh, Fork and Spoon is what it used to be called. It's called something else now. Remember the movie oh, theater? Oh, Bucket Backlot? Well, that's what it was called then. Maybe it's called Fork and Spoon now. Yeah, I think it's called Fork and Spoon now. But I thought that was cool because it was the first time I went to a movie theater where you could get, you know, adult beverages. You can get, uh, you know, food, like real food, not just popcorn and hot like dogs. Wings. And- wings. Yeah, and all that stuff. And so I thought that was a quality date. And then my wife would shut me down every time. She's like, it's not quality. We're watching a movie. We're not going to talk through the movie. It's rude to other people, one. But that's not quality time. Quality time. Thank, thank you, you, sir. Quality time is, is really getting in each other's face. Sometimes when we go out, I love this. 
uh, if we don't have, like, we try to be intentional about not talking about the kids because we do that every day. Mm-hmm. We try to be intentional about not talking about y'all, the church. We do that every day. We try to talk about, you know, just life. And sometimes we don't have anything to talk about, so we just start talking about the people in the restaurant. Like, you think that's his wife? <laughs> and stuff like that, right? You th- and, and then we just start trying to make these little, like, side bets. Like, you think he's going to let her pick up the check, or is, she, is, or, or is, is, is he going to pick it up? Are they going Dutch? What do you think? Is this their first date, their second date? You know, we, we do those things, and that's so fun. It's so corny, but we have so much fun, right, baby? We're, we can be very corny. We can, but hey, we're doing it, right? There you Ten go. years. We, we, we can be corny as we want. Song of Solomon, one of my, you know, when I, many single guys like to quote Song of Solomon as game. So Song of Solomon uh, 7, 1 through 4 is your reference. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but check it out. So as your reference, check out Song of Solomon 7, 1 through 4. I'll tell you what he's talking about. He's really just talking to her. He's like telling her how beautiful she, li- she is and how fine she is and all of this stuff. But th- he only gets to say that when they have face-to-face, right? Right. What's the second one? You- Number two, side to side. Um, that's activities together, side to side, painting. Uh, recently, we were blessed uh, with an outing to go painting together. That was so yep. much fun. The gentles blessed um, us with that. And watching each other's favorite show, which sometimes can be hard because Broderick likes reality shows. And I, I yeah. <laughs> I like cooking shows. That's reality. That's a reality show. Yes, but I can use the information I get from cooking shows As in practical I. application. <laughs> I could do the same thing with reality shows. I can learn, like, that's not how I want to act. Uh-huh. And so, but finding something, but enjoying something that your spouse enjoys that you may not enjoy all that much. So every once in a while, I'll sit and I'll watch uh, uh, episodes of Real Housewives with him and um, and it Tell actually, all honestly, my business. For, for a while, it was actually interesting to me because my boss's uh, wife was on there. And so it was interesting to, <laughs> because, of course, now I could participate in the coffee break room the conversations at work because I was watching what everybody else was watching um, and knew what was going on. But uh, entering his or her world, finding out what they're interested in. Um, what they, and, and we're, all of us are human. How many of you are the same way you were 10 years ago? Anybody? Nobody. No, yeah. Nobody was. So we all change. Just because we get married doesn't mean that we are the same exact person. Broderick and I often joke that if we had met each other, say, 10 years earlier than when we did, we would not have spoken to each other. We would not have even liked each other. We were in two completely different stages of our lives at that time. And we continue to grow. And one of the neat things about being married and entering each other's lives uh, or being a part of each other's lives and doing life together is growing together. And I, I'm not exactly the same uh, as I was in 2003 when we got married. Um, I like to think I've matured and gotten a little better. But in some ways, I may have regressed um, um, oh, you, 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 you're perfect, baby. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Good answer. Take notes, guys. Good answer. Um, but that's one of the things about getting side to side, finding activities together, exploring new activities. And Atlanta is great because we have the opportunity to find new things to do all the time that don't cost any money. Uh, one of the things that we're into right now is exploring where we live here in Mableton and really finding out what are the things to do in Mableton that make Mableton a desirable place to live. So let me share this because I'll be honest with you when it comes to activities, including even quality time and conversation, men, we're not, we're not very vocal. A lot of times, you know, you put sports on for us, man, our team is on, we can, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, we get around our boys and it's like, we can just open up. It's, it's just different. It's hard for men to open up a lot of times with our spouses. So I want to help uh, some spouses today with that and just let you know, the, just share a couple things. Men are most likely to open up. Two ways. When we are doing something that we enjoy with you. So in other words, when, we, when you are participating in something we enjoy, like if, 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 if the Knicks are on and my wife comes and watches the Knicks with me and cheers for the Knicks, I'm, I'm really cool. We could talk about it. Or an activity uh, that I invite her to, like golf. I have yet to invite my wife to play golf with me. I, I, and I keep telling him I was on the golf team for like five minutes in the seventh grade. And 
and then I switched to track, which I didn't do any better in that either. But we, we do. We find things that we're interested in doing. And honestly, he really, really does open up much more if we're doing something that he is enjoying. Um, I'll open up anytime. So, so when, when he's doing something with you that he enjoys is when a man opens up. The second one is right after he's done doing something with you he enjoys. Now, you could take that wherever, and it, and it applies. I'm being completely honest with you. Right after. So after we've had some fun together doing something I enjoy, like an activity, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think of, of, of something. We've done some, you know, whatever it is I enjoy and that she comes to be a part of, right after that, I, I, my mind is going elsewhere. Yeah, you do know yeah, that. Okay, move on. Next point. Because I'm like, you know, and, you know we, his, can, we start looking, planning, setting goals after that He's looking at his notes, and the next note is number three. Oh, yes. Number belly three. button to belly button. Belly button, belly button. That's the other way to have fun. Belly button to belly button. And they're referencing Song of Solomon, chapter now, 7. Now, I see some faces. If you don't know what that means, you should take health class all over again. It's belly button to belly button. That's what married couples should enjoy. So one is face-to-face fun, side-to-side fun, belly button to belly button fun. Now, and, we... Go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say... Um, Proverbs 5, is Proverbs 5 in their notes? It may not be, but you can share it. Okay, Proverbs 5 says, Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Continue. Don't stop there. <laughs> Let her breast satisfy you always. I really got to read ahead better. <laughs> <laughs> and may you always be captivated by her love. The most important line there is may you always be captivated by her love. Mm-hmm. When he says your youth, he's talking about early in your relationship. Yes. The woman that you like spent tons of money on, you like shaved every day for, you put your best smelling Issey Miyake on or whatever. I mean, you were sharp. I mean, you dressed up every day just to go to the store. To, if she called you to say, hey, can you pump my gas? I'm in a bad neighborhood. It's dark. You're like, okay, I'll be right there. You, clean, you know you're in your sweatshorts or whatever, but you clean up and get fresh just to pump her gas for her. And it's saying, always be captivated. Remember that same woman you pursued before? Continue to pursue her even after marriage, after kids, after stretch marks. It's not my wife's story. I'm just saying that. After she's gained a couple from the kids. I'm dead serious. I got to be completely transparent because women are very sensitive about how they look after they've had kids. My wife, look how, how, how petite she is. Do you all know she has a challenge with looking at her own body? I'm like, woman, you are fine. You can still wear a two-piece. And, 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 and be okay about it. What's wrong? But it's, it's, it's something that I as a man cannot see. And because I can't see it, all I have to do as her husband is honor her and, that, and constantly let her know, even though you feel a certain way about how you look, you are fine. When, when, when God made you, he, he didn't make more, any more like you. And continue to make her feel good about how beautiful she is. And that every mark, every beauty mark she gets from having a kid, that is your stamp of approval that you are indeed a mother. You are mommy like nobody else's business. And so always, you know, pour, pour that into your wife, man, because they go through some stuff we don't understand. Let's talk about the belly to belly. Okay, so... <laughs> You know, we've been talking about this all week. Uh, this has uh, consumed most of our conversations. Um, <laughs> so when he got to this belly button to belly button um, part, but it, what came to my mind was, guys, you got to work on your approach. You know, they've got all the game when they're dating. But once you're married, the approach f- falls off. Timing, proper timing is important. Uh, groping is not cool. Oh, come just, on. Just... I mean, I mean maybe just it's like, ah. Maybe it's just me. Sticking all out. Mm. And, I, I, and I've worked from home for a number of years, so I'm always around. And it, yeah. But I'm not focused on that. I'm home, but I'm working. You know, for those of you who work from home, I know a few of you out there do work at home sometimes, and it's, it's, you have to get in your work zone, work focus. Um, hey, baby, let's do it does not work after a long day of uh, dealing with the kids, especially ours, um, uh, or dealing with the kids or cooking meals or training clients, which is what I do. Um, so uh, the approach, I think, is, is something that not to be missed. Yeah, you got to work. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm whack for that. I know, brothers, we want it bad. We've been waiting on it. We've been looking at our wives all day. We, come on, girl, you know we only got a few seconds before Dora goes off. <laughs> 
<laughs> Come, what? Y'all laughing hard because y'all know it's the truth. <laughs> Trying to squeeze in some time. But we got to work on our approach. Our, our wives deserve so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And so let me tell you, this is for the wives. I want to share this with you all, too. Make an approach. Make an approach. Satin is always better than your old college T-shirt. Okay? Make an approach. Now, one of the, I'm just going to tell you, my wife, that's one of the conversations we have. It's like you We know, have this conversation all the time. It's like, show me that you, you know, make an initiative. Show me that you're interested in, in even doing this. So what we've learned, because we have four kids, full house, we're both busy. Mm-hmm. Um, she, my wife does contract work on the side, and she's homeschooling, and then I do this, and a little real estate, and musician. So it's hard for us to do that. And what we, what we decided to do, one day we looked up and saw, like, wow, it's been a long time since we've been together. I mean, like, really been together, you know, where we took everything off, not just the bottom parts, you know? And so what we decided, <laughs> what? Just, married people know what I'm talking about. Okay, but take it, maybe somebody's not married and they don't know. Single people, take note. It's going to happen. I'm trying to help y'all. Engage folk, same thing. What we've done, because our marriage is so very important to us, and people, people laugh, and I, heard, I hear brothers all the time with this doggone machismo. Oh, man, forget that. We actually schedule it. I'm being, I'm being serious. We schedule it. We have two days a month. It's scheduled no matter what. Now, it can happen anytime and often as we want it to, but those two days are dedicated to our intimacy. Those two days, we know they're coming, right? Mm-hmm. That we have scheduled calendar reminders about it. Boom, boom. Okay? So that means as much as she hates lace and silk, at least those two days I get either one, lace or silk. Those two days I might break out some oils and things. Those two, we plan it. The kids are going to get to bed, not on time, but early. Because it's going to be a long night. Okay, plan it. Schedule it. You guys schedule meetings. You guys schedule all this other stuff that are not nearly as important as your marriage. And we do prioritize things. We put okay. things on the calendar. You I'll, survived I'll it. Yeah, I'll live. I'll I was going to okay. go deeper, but... Thank you. That's why I, I apologize for cutting dong, you off. Dong, dong, dong. Um, <laughs> we prioritize all sorts of things in our lives, and we do schedule things. We set up uh, meeting minders and things of that nature. So it's, it is important to make sure that... Uh, you do that because you are your spouse's only legitimate way to find sexual fulfill- fulfillment. And so you want to make sure that uh, you honor that uh, with God. Remember, we'd already spoke, we started out today talking about seeking God first and God being uh, at the being our number one and your spouse being number two. And so you want to make sure that uh, you keep that order. Uh, number four. Remain pure. I mean, it's, it's self-explanatory. You should mm-hmm. do that, right? Mm-hmm. But you got to put that out there. We remain pure. Pure in our thoughts, pure in our actions. Uh, there's remain pure physically. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says this. Run. Not walk. Not skip. Not hop. Run. Dash. Run as fast as you can from sexual sin. There's an exclamation point there. No other sin is so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Run from it. Run from it. Truth is, we're all, listen, we're in a world, this, this, I don't understand this, this, this generation of stuff that's going on. It's, it's just all sexual. I mean, you put on, you t- I was watching something the other day, um, somebody had on Facebook, and they, they were like, oh, that's a hot mess. They need to be arrested. And because somebody said that, I was like, I'm interested. Let me see what this is. I clicked the video. It was a child, probably five years old, twerking. You know what twerking is? Want me to show you? No. I'm just <laughs> no. Twerking is when they, okay, what, what yeah. we were talking about earlier, that, that uh, doo-doo brown dancing and oh, breaking that, all that stuff, oh, popping okay. the booty and stuff. Okay, okay, I got you. They had a five-year-old girl doing it up again, like in the, the frame of the door frame. Mm-hmm. And the little girl was okay, on the door frame working it out. Okay. We got the idea. Te- what I'm trying to say is they're teaching the kid at five years old how to be sexual. Well, and, and they do that with the clothing, too. Um, I find it difficult for my uh, seven-year-old daughter to find jeans that aren't low-rise. And I'm sitting there going, why does a seven-year-old need low-rise jeans? I should not see that much of my baby's crack. 
S7. It's just shame. And what your mind does with that, you've already committed adultery, even if you haven't taken the extra step to move forward, uh, forward you, with that. you caused me to have adultery when you started making me watch Scandal. And uh, you know and how I feel about Kerry Washington's lips. <laughs> it's your fault. No, just, <laughs> I had to repent. Okay. I like Kerry Washington's lips. Yeah, but she's on TV. That's not realistic for you. Yeah, but it says in the mind. Yeah, right. You're right. Okay, I'll take that one. Um, but thank you for introducing me to like one of the greatest shows ever created next to the Cosby show. OMG. I can't wait to okay, the you fall. You can't put Cosby show and scandal in the same sentence. You got Cosby well, show, wholesome go family. Cause if we go real life, there was some real life scandal in Cosby's but the, yeah, world. But, you, but that had nothing to do with the show. True. Those with the actors. Well, scandal is really good. Aren't you having like withdrawal right now? No, because I, I, I'm okay. I got Food Network and the Cooking Channel. I'm good. That's nothing like Kerry Washington's lips. I honestly don't care about Kerry Washington's lips. <laughs> What's five, my dear? Number five, the never give one. up. This is our final thing, and I, I did ask Roderick to try to make sure that we weren't up here all day. Uh, number five is never give up. Matthew 19, uh, three through six, it's there in your notes, is it? Uh, maybe no. not. Just reference it. Okay. Uh, Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 6. I won't take the moment to read them, but um, basically it, it's talking about, uh, it's Jesus speaking about uh, being united with your spouse, united as one. And I want to take a moment because uh, being united as one doesn't mean you are, you know, half a person that shows up at the altar and the other half shows up and you know, you do the, have this Jerry Maguire moment where you're saying, oh, you complete me. Because it's so not biblical. The Bible created Adam, or I'm sorry, God created Adam. He created Eve. There were two completely whole people. And well, one, they took the rib. It's then, just a little bit gone. Yeah, the, the point is, is that they were completely whole people. True. And if you are, and you talked about this last week in your message for singles, if you are not the whole you or the best you that you're ready to be, then you're doing uh, yourself and your spouse a disservice by showing up to the altar um, not really ready. And, I th- and that's why I laugh, and Broderick and I laugh sometimes, that we were not people that we would have even liked five, ten years before we met because God was working on each of us to prepare us to be complete and whole people together. Um, Marriage is a covenant. It is not a contract. And we, you know, in this day and age, we have a lot of marriage contracts. They've had them for thousands of years for Did all sorts of reasons. Did you see the reasons. premarital contract they have out there now? Did y'all see that? Who saw the premarital contract they have out there now? I think I saw something. So y'all like know that. about the prenuptial agreement. They have a premarital contract now where it says, like, it, and they start, it's always no offense, you West Coast people, but it started there <laughs> where the rich people, they have this thing. Now it's a marriage, it's a, it's a pre-marriage contract where now you can say, if you gain 20 pounds uh, within our marriage, I can divorce you. If you stop dressing up. But that's actually not new. No, no, no. It, no but they had, they had those kinds of contracts thousands of years ago. If you oh. do not produce X number of sons. Oh, yeah, well, true. Yeah. Girlfriend, you, 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 we could send you back to your daddy and them. Yep, true. Great. So, you know, they, they've always had this. We, we've just re reinvented it again now. So we're reviving it. We're reviving it. Well, they've it. revived it. Yes, someone, no, we not you. Yeah. So marriage is a covenant. It's not a contract. A contract is based on mutual distrust. Distrust. It limits your responsibilities and it increases your rights. But a covenant is based on mutual commitment, permanent relationship with no end date, and equal rights. Marriage is not lopsided. We are both submitted to God first. In the, uh, in the New Testament, in Ephesians, um, it says uh, in Ephesians 5, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. And it compares a lot, and there's a lot of imagery in the New Testament about how the church is the bride of Christ. Um, we are submitted to one another 
equally as and we're submitted to God. So it doesn't mean that he is uh, lording his headship as husband over me in some boss-like kind of way because that's not how Jesus treats us as his church. And so, and, and that was something that was to tie the video back in. That was what they were saying at the end, to be more like him, to be more like Jesus, um, and how important th- that is. And that brings us to, um, to the point of a covenant partnership includes mutual submission. And uh, you want to talk about honor with yes. that? I mean, it, a covenant partnership includes mutual submission. We, you know, we submit to both one another. But as I shared with you all last week, honor is so important. I share with you all with our singles, honor is important in relationships, it's important in marriages, and it's, it's key to honor. I'll tell you this, behind every marital problem, there's an honor issue. Someone felt dishonored, someone felt that they weren't honored enough. Honor is key. And I think the first step toward honor is the same one I shared with you last week. The first step toward honor is acceptance acceptance of our differences of your spouse, the acceptances of, 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 of the different background or upbringing of your spouse, acceptance of the different culture of your spouse. A lot of times, all we look at is a surface uh, and, and, and we stop there. Acceptance of your, your, your spouse's different temperament. You know, uh, one of the greatest things we ever done was learn each other's love language. And I got this book here, The Five Love Languages. This is like our marriage Bible, right? Like, because when we have our issues and we're disagreeing and we don't, neither one of us feels honored, we immediately say, are you speaking my love language? Or sometimes she doesn't even have to ask that. My, I, I think, I'm like, man, my wife's love language is acts of service, meaning like if I, you know, clean the house, which is not my chore, if I do the dishes, which is not my chore, if I cook, which is not my chore, what I do, it's like I honored her in a major way and I spoke her language. When she's aggravated and frustrated with me, the first thing I do is do an inventory to say, did I speak my wife's love language this week? Mm-hmm. And I immediately point to that and realize I did not. Or if I did, I didn't do it enough. So anyway, we want to do something real quick uh, for those who are here. We want to give this to a married couple that's been married for less than five years. Anybody here married less than five years? Wow. Okay. Uh, between one and three years, <laughs> right there, between one and three years, I want you to have this. Have you ever read this? All right. This book will save your life. I'm telling you, it'll save your marriage. It'll keep you happy. We all speak. Uh, yeah, you can't carry the mic everywhere, honey. Apparently not. Okay. You can tell I'm not used to holding the mic. There, uh, listen, go on. There's a website. FiveLoveLanguages.com. Go on there, you and your spouse. Do the profile. Mm-hmm. Do, the, do the survey. It only and, takes about five to seven minutes to do it. Right. And if you, don't, if, you, if, you, if you didn't get that book, I highly recommend it. If you're engaged, get that book. If you're dating, get that book. It's so important because we all speak different love languages. And a love language is a language that goes to the heart, not the brain. It's to the heart. So whenever I do acts of service, I'm going right to her heart. When she does the same thing, uh, what is mine? Yours is uh, words of affirmation. If I tell him that he looks good or he's got a nice haircut or I like his shirt. I got my phone right there. She sent me a text message yesterday. What did I say? You're amazing. Mm, say it again. You're amazing. Want me to cut the grass today? Please. Okay. Before it rains. You see how that works? Um, <laughs> but that's his love language. And I'm, I'm not one of those people that I, I – he knows he looks good. When I met him, he kind of – he just, that's his, that's his, do his I look thing. good to you? Well, yes, of course. That's what counts. But, but <laughs> Sam's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but because I, sometimes I think, oh, he knows that I don't tell him. And really he needs someone to tell him because that's his love language. He needs me to say, you're doing a great job. Or, um, you know, I didn't think, uh, here's a really good example. I really didn't think anything of not listening to the podcasts consistently every week. Oh, you can't say that publicly, honey. Oh, sorry. Um, but I listened to them, but I didn't listen to them like on Monday. I'm, I, got, I got around to like Thursday or Friday or something like that. And because I wasn't listening to it right away, Wednesday comes along. He's like, well, what did you think of my sermon this week if I wasn't in here? Uh, um, I, don't, I haven't listened to it. Why haven't you listened to it? And I didn't realize I was hurting his feelings just as a person um, by... 
Y'all know he was a drama major, right? Um, And so I realized, I said, I need to listen to it right away so that I can give him prompt feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, but he thrives on the feedback. And so whether, so if I have something to say, it's important to him. And I didn't, I I really didn't think that it was that important what I thought. Um, So giving him that feedback has been really helpful uh, just for us as a couple, even if I wasn't, um, you know, I don't know, I guess. Another thing I want to share else. that we talked about, and we got to wrap it right here. Yeah, we do. This is very important. So the first step to honor is acceptance. The other one you have to do, this is really important. We're, we're so different. Mm-hmm. You know, God, you know, he didn't bring us all together to be, we're not robots. We're not clones. We're all different. And oftentimes there was a point in our marriage where I looked and like, we have nothing in common. She doesn't like the kind of movies I like. She didn't like the music I like. But yeah, I began. we mixed thousands of CDs together when we got together. And we probably crossed over. We had like 20 duplicates. Yeah, that was it. We didn't have that much commonality in terms of music. But we began to focus not on the differences, but the mm-hmm. commonalities. Like, well, we at least both like music. So music can be a part of the fabric that makes up the Santiago household. Mm-hmm. The other thing was we laughed about this the other day while we were sitting having coffee in the morning. I said, you know what? We, had, we love coffee. Yes, we that's, do. That's something we can celebrate. It's small. That's why y'all have coffee out there is because we, we love, love coffee. That's right. We like wine. We love yes, wine. Yes, we do. We, like we don't drink a whole lot of it, but we, we, we don't. appreciate it. We appreciate it. Uh, we like to eat out. We both yes, love we eating out. We begin to celebrate our commonalities. And, 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 and that's, those are things, these are some small things that help us to see this decade. And, and we're looking forward to the next decade. The final thing I want to give you, and we're done here, is that we made a vow in premarital counseling that we would all, every 10 years, renew our vows. Mm-hmm. And, and let me tell you our thought behind that. Our thought is, if you are planning a wedding, you don't have time to plan a divorce. If we're planning, we're looking for That's our goal. Every 10 years, we are going to renew our vows. And every 10 years, something new is going to happen, obviously, because we have kids. Marriage, y'all, is work. Yes, it is. You know, you start off the courtship, you're dating. After that, you're married. You don't have kids. That's one way of being married. Then the kids come. You have to totally relearn your spouse all over again. You start the process over again. And then you have another kid. Start the process all over again. Because now I have to learn how to love my wife with two kids. Mm-hmm. Right? And then as the kids get older and have life experiences... Once again, we're learning each other all over again. How do we collectively together do this and learn our kids and stay happy and married? Then there's job stuff and career changes mm-hmm. and all type of stuff. So the, the thing I want to share with you most importantly is never give up. Understand that this is a, a, a work. It's a marathon. Marriage is, is a lifetime commitment. Mm-hmm. Okay? So understand that the going going, it's going to get tough it's going to get rough but keep fighting for your marriage it honors god in such a mighty way and your family amen 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 thank you for joining us today our prayer is that pastor b said something that moves you closer to jesus if you enjoyed listening to our podcast we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at mosaic mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.